I'm excited. I'm just going to do like a standalone message today. Uh, as we're in this season and, and kind of, we're kind of transitioning, right, from Thanksgiving to Christmas. We're not totally into Christmas. Some of y'all got into Christmas like after Halloween, didn't y'all? I know y'all. Identify yourselves. There's a clan out there. And I have not got on my soapbox about it, but I do have a soapbox that I'm going to reserve for another year, another time, about decorating for Christmas too early, but we'll just... Enough said, right? Enough said, okay? But we're in this transitional season from Thanksgiving uh, to Christmas, and you know what's coming, right? You, you experience it every year as things start to ramp up. Traffic drives you insane. Like, it's, it, do you feel, I mean, it's just, it drives you crazy. The Christmas parties start stacking up. Family get-togethers and work Christmas parties and church get-togethers, and it's just like, whoa. It's like sensory overload. And, and this season, I think, is a bit of a microcosm for the age and time in which we live in, in which we're really distracted. There's so many things to grab our attention. As we drive down the road, we're distracted by billboards and other people's driving. As we're at work, we're we're distracted by the person's perfume next to us or their cell phone that keeps vibrating or, or the notification. We're distracted. We live in an age of distraction. And, and I want to turn to a story very quickly this morning to, to Luke chapter 10, in which Jesus speaks into this. As we enter into this season of joy and, and excitement of the Christmas season, it's also a season in which stress and anxiety goes through the roof. And I want to pull it back and look in the scriptures and see, would God have a word for us today as we go into this season to to choose his presence and to focus on him? Let's turn to Luke chapter 10. We're just going to read four verses and and, and talk through the story of Mary and Martha that you might have heard of. They're two sisters, and we pick up Luke 10 verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sisters left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha. Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and you're upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one, and Mary has chosen what's better, and it will not be taken for her. Man, is this story ripe for us today? Is it ripe for this Christmas season, this age and season of distraction? And as we read this together, some of you will immediately identify with Martha, in this story. Uh, some of you probably in the room hosted Thanksgiving, right? It's one thing to attend Thanksgiving dinner. It's another thing to host it. And, and if that was you, you were probably living in the Martha world trying to host and make all the preparations. And, and maybe you didn't host it, but maybe you just get this. Maybe there's just always a thousand things on your to-do list and it never gets done. And you're always thinking about what's got to be done next. <laughs> we can identify with Martha pretty easily in our day and age. Some of you may actually identify with Mary, particularly if you know the cultural relevance and the significance of Mary sitting at the feet of a rabbi, Jesus. 
Like, that's a big deal. Women did not sit at the feet of a rabbi to to learn and grow. I mean, it was a different age. Women were not educated. They were on the outside of society. You think you live in a man's world now, ladies. (laughs) Like, imagine living 2,000 years ago in the Middle East. Like, that was a man's world. Like, but, but, but you may feel like that in some ways today, even, ladies, that you feel living in a, a, a man's world. And here Mary is choosing what's best. A lot of interesting things about this, um, about this text. One is that, is that Martha was doing what she was supposed to do right? It, it was hospitality. It was Middle Eastern hospitality, just like Southern hospitality. Anybody got a grandma or a mom or an aunt? Every time you go over, like, they got to get a meal out. Anybody got anybody like that? Like, my, my mother-in-law is, like, Miss Southern hospitality. In fact, like, she does not sit down and to the table to eat until everyone else has eaten. Like, it's done, and, and she takes the longest. Like, she should actually actually start, like, 20 minutes before we get started so that we can all end at the same time, but she doesn't sit down until we're finished because she's just hosting and just making sure everyone else's needs are met, and so Martha is actually doing what is customary, is doing what she's supposed to do, and here she is kind of called to a new a way of being, a new perspective on the things that need to get done here in, in this situation. Uh, there's so much to, to pull uh, from this text in our life, and I think that God has a few things that he would speak into our hearts today, and, and, and I just want to give you a, a short message today. Uh, first is that the enemy of your soul wants you to be distracted from Jesus. The enemy wants you distracted. I mean, you've probably heard it said in John 10.10 that the thief comes to what? To kill, to steal, and to destroy, right? And so if you're still breathing, he hasn't killed you yet. If you don't feel like you're completely destroyed, you haven't been destroyed yet. But what he will do is he'll try to steal, and he may steal a lot of different things, but one of the first things he tries to steal is your attention. And that's one of us, in our life, that's something that we get stolen from us all the time because of all the preparations that have to be made. Because of everything that's got to be done, we get distracted so easily. You probably know the statistics. You've probably read the studies as I have that the attention span of the generation growing up is like that of a hamster or something, right? Have you heard that? It's like, just we can't, it's just like 20 seconds is like the maximum attention span and uh, adults in the room that, that maybe say there, there's younger generations out there that are worse about this, we're bad about it too. In fact, I'd say in my own life in this past season, I don't know if anybody can identify with this, it's been one of those seasons for me that in order to remember what I walk into, like I say I've got to walk out there to do something or walk over to the office, I have to keep repeating from here to there what it is, or I will forget it by the time I get there. Anybody ever live like that a little bit? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, yeah, so that's me. I've been living in that season because there's just so much clutter. There's so many things. There's so many preparations to be made, the to-do list upon the to-do list upon the to-do list. And, and Jesus is, is making a call that, hey, hey, like, I know, I know, it's okay, but there's something better. So I know like some of you in the room, you probably think like I do, but like, 
what was the meal not going to be made? Are you guys just going to go hungry? Somebody's got to do it. Like anybody thinking that? Like somebody's got to cook the dinner and just kind of defending your preparations and things that need to get done. And um, I, I, as we go on in this, I, I want to address that because it's, it's not what we do, but it's the manner in which we do it in, in the heart of, of what's going on. The reality is that we're distracted by a lot of things, but the truth is also is that we're distracted from the better things. We're not just distracted by things, but we're distracted from things. We're distracted from the heart of hospitality. Like if you're bringing people over to your home, right, people don't care like how well cleaned things are if you ignore them. They didn't come over for your clean house. Like biblical hospitality is how you treat people, not about how clean your house is. Right? And, and many of us, like that's, I find this in my life all the time. I'm very focused on making sure everything's right, but then sometimes I, I just I miss the heart of hospitality, of hosting. We're not just distracted to something, we're distracted from something. We're distracted from hearing what Jesus is teaching. I mean, what an opportunity every moment of every day that God, we can sit at the feet of Jesus. Whether we're driving down the road, brushing our teeth, or doing our paperwork in the office, like we can hear God's voice, speak to him, and we can sit at his feet. I mean, I think even, I, I think the story would have been totally different if Martha was in, I mean, they're all in the same room, like they didn't have big houses back then. There was no 2,000 square foot uh, houses back then. In fact, it, it was just like a room probably from me to you. I mean, just maybe 12 by 12. And it was at one room, uh, you know, toilets over here, you know, a little living space, you know, a little kitchen and, and, and a little lit living room, quote unquote, right there. And we were all in one space. So it was not far to go, she could hear, she could have been engaged while she was making the preparations. But she didn't. She was distracted by the preparations. Not only di- di- distracted from learning, but just hosting the presence of God. Um, she's, she's distracted by the food. She's distracted by the stuff. It, and we know this, Right, we know that cleaning is not more important than people or hosting the presence of the living God. We know that. Like we understand that making food is not as important as the people in our life. We 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 know that, but the struggle carries on, and it's difficult. And so I, it's more of a discipline to to be um, developed. Um, then it is a destination that we arrive upon, okay? So it's just something that we're going to discipline ourselves in order to focus. I mean, we, we started the service with a song that said, focus my eyes away from myself, away from my stuff, away from my to-do list, that it's only about you, that you become greater and greater. And, and so I would just, and probably even now, in the, in the next few minutes, like as, as I you to preach this sermon, you'll be distracted by something. You might be distracted right now as I'm speaking, like glancing at your phone or something. Like you, you'll be distracted by something, and it's 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 a discipline to be developed in our life. And so I would just ask you right now in this season, what's got you distracted? Is there something? Well, maybe one thing that, like, man, it's it's just taken my attention away from what matters the most. 
think about what Martha is doing here. Like, isn't this a sister thing? Like, some of you have sisters out there. I just have one brother, so I don't get it, but I've been around sisters enough to know, like, this is kind of a sister thing. Like, I'm over here working, and, like, you're just going to sit there. Like, I wish I could just sit there, but somebody is, you know, you can just kind of hear the feud in your own family. That argument probably happened this week in some of your houses, right? That probably went down. Um, But think about what she does. Her guest in her house, she asked the guest to tell her sister to get up and help her. Like, she's putting Jesus in the middle of their family feud. Like, what more rude thing could you ask of a guest than to jump into the middle and, like, solve your family problems? Like, that's, like, a rude thing to do. But that's what Martha's and doing, and it gets her to this place in which Jesus calls it out for what it is. Because this is what distraction will do. Distraction will lead us to anxiety and stress. Distraction will lead us to anxiety and stress. Talked about statistics when it comes to distraction, but you know, the, 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 the a correlate, let me just say this, a correlating statistic, and I've never seen it in studies connected, but Theologically and spiritually, and what this text speaks to us, I think they're correlated. That anxiety and stress has arisen, and we could say there's a million factors for that because there is. But it's risen kind of in the same way that our attention span and our uh, distraction goes up, our anxiety goes up. And so this isn't just something we want for our life, this is, some, this is something we need. This is something our culture needs. Like we're dying for peace. We're dying for stress to go away. We're dying to to be free of our anxiety. And look, it's real and we're going to have to face stress and anxiety. We are. It's going to come our way. The enemy will use it to distract us. But, But I love how Eugene Peterson puts it in his message translation. We just lost Eugene Peterson just a a few weeks ago, a powerful man of the faith, and he wrote this this paraphrase. I think it's incredible for devotions, or if you're having a difficult time understanding God's word, go to the message translation, and Eugene's just kind of put it in his own words. Don't use it as your only basis for study of the word. But sometimes, man, he just puts it in a way that resonates in, in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, where Paul is telling the church at Philippi, don't be anxious about anything, right? Like, that's so easy. Don't be anxious about anything. But look how Eugene puts it here. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. And let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns, and before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good will come down, come and settle you down. And it's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. It's one thing for worries and anxiety and stress to be coming from the side and all angles to distract us from the presence of God and the goodness of God that we're always in his presence, but it's another thing when worry is at the center of our life. Like it's, we're seeing everything through that lens of worry and anxiety and God wants us free and there is freedom to 
be found. And so I would just encourage you, don't take anxiety. Don't take stress lying down. Take it kneeling down. Take it kneeling at the feet of Jesus and turning. Let God shape them into prayers. And say, God, help me focus my eyes on you. And, and, and just know, for whatever, like whatever problems we're battling with anxiety and stress, like Jesus is the answer. He's the answer. Like there may be medication for a short-term period, but God wants you free. He, wa- he wants you free in every way possible. And some of those things we will have in this day and age and other times, we will not see the freedom from that in the, our physical ailments or maybe even emotional things that we just carry baggage. We won't see that until the age to come. But God wants us free. And he is the answer for everything. And Jesus addresses what the core issues are. What? Anxious. You're worried. You're worried. You're so worried about everything. And and you're upset and you're you're kind of troubled. This word for troubled is this idea of of a a loud mind, a disquieted mind, a, a busy mind. And even if you say, I don't I don't deal with a lot of anxiety and stress. A lot of us, we have very busy minds. Our minds are always running. They're always thinking about the next thing to do. And Jesus is calling her to to a place, to a place in which our hearts and minds are quieted in his presence. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, 25, that can any of you add a single day to your life by worrying? Can you? Like, how's that working? I mean, just to drop the Dr. Phil line, how's that working out for you? Like, it's not, it's not going to get us any further down the road. Um, many of you know the story of us kind of walking through this renovation, and it was supposed to be done like two and a half months ago, so nailed it. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, but God just had different plans. God had different timing, and uh, it, it, was, it was causing me intense anxiety and intense stress, and, and God had to shape my heart in this season. He had to bring me to a place in which I, I remembered that Luke chapter 12, verse 25, like, can I add a sing? Is that going to make it go faster? <laughs> like, is that going to make the city approve the plan? Is that going to make the subcontractor move up because I'm worrying or stressing out about it? No. It was adding n- nothing to my life. God, God wants freedom for us, and distraction will lead us to this place, but, but letting God transform those, those worries, those anxiety into prayers, and it shapes us to trust in him. And at the core roots of all this stuff is, do I trust you, Lord? Do I trust Jesus to be enough for me? Until we can answer that question, nothing else ever will. Um, finally, just a, a simple thought here. Um, we must daily choose to delight in the Lord. We must daily choose to, to delight ourselves in the Lord. Jesus says like, hey, what she has is better than what you're doing, which is worrying. It it wasn't, this wasn't work over worship here. This was distraction over focus. This was understanding meaning and absorbing the moment and not living in anxiety and stress. And many times we make this about work and worship. And the reality is true that God is not impressed with what we do for him but the manner in which we live before him. He's not impressed with all the hard work you're doing on the outside, but in awe of him, of what he's doing on the inside, that's what 
That's what sustains our outward work. That's what excites and fills it with passion and fuel. And if you look at and you see people like filled with passion for Jesus and serving in their giftings, and you're like, I just, I'm, that's not me. I don't have that. God does have passion inside of you. But we have to get to this place first where he is all we want. He's all we want. He's all we're focused on. And then he begins to light the path before us. I, I heard it this weekend that, that um, you know, light travels. It just travels and travels and never ends. Like our, our, when you turn on your, your headlights out there, it goes to Los Angeles or something. Like the light keeps going. We just, we can't, we can only perceive the light that's right in front of us, but God sees the whole stretch of it. And so just be faithful with what's in front of you. Be faithful to choose what is better. Not, not the to-do list and the preparations, but to choose to hear God's voice and to delight. Um, what's Mary doing right now? She's sitting at Jesus' feet. She's, she's sitting to, to worship. She's sitting there to learn. I mean, she's, she's ready for teaching. She's ready to soak it in. She's, she's really messing up gender roles in the first century. So just thank Mary for all the progress, ladies. Like, she's, I mean, for real. Like, I mean, think about all these people we look at as progress of, of women and, 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 and gender roles and those type of things, but go, go and look at Mary in the scriptures and like just see and, and understand the context of what was done when she was the first one to confess Jesus was risen, when she was here kind of shaking things up, seeing us. She was there to learn. She's choosing to worship. She's choosing to learn. Jesus isn't impressed that we come regularly. He's, he's not impressed. He, he wants us to come regularly. That is the gathering of the body of believers, and we need it, and it honors and glorifies God. But it's not our coming, our external work that pleases the Lord. It's the manner in which we do that that pleases the Lord. And so if you've been this person that checks off your religious checkbox, I just want to like warn you and caution you that you may see that as a win, but that's not a win to God. Like a win to God is the manner in which you come, that you come focused on him. And it's a process. Like I come and I, I, just, I push all the distractions aside to focus and give him all I have. He's not pleased with the outside. He, he, he's looking to the heart, and he wants us to delight in him. There is so much delight. I, th- I love this word, delight. You hear me use it all the time, to delight ourselves in the Lord, it, because it's so different than what most of us came to know about faith. It was duty and not delight. It was religion and not relationship. And God's inviting us to a place in which we just, I'm just thankful for you, Lord, just to delight myself in the Lord, and I choose. So I want to talk for just a couple of minutes and, and then give you some practicals. Uh, what does the scripture say about the presence of God? What does the scripture say about the presence of God? First, the, the scriptures say that we can't escape it. Psalm 139, where can I go from your presence, O Lord? Even if I make my bed in the depths of the pits of hell. I can't escape your presence, God. I can't escape you. The omnipresence. Many times you'll hear people say things like, let's just invite God's presence here 
And like, here's the thing, is he omnipresent or is he not? We can't escape his presence. And so really what that kind of phrase, that Christian phrase that's kind of had a life of its own is really saying is let's, let's actually focus our attention. Let's, let's not just gather, let's gather with a purpose to invite God to do something supernatural beyond just a, a, a natural gathering of, of people. Uh, the scriptures tell us that God can cast us out of his presence. So we can't escape it, but he can cast us out. You can look to 2 Thessalonians, not 2 Thes. I don't know what 2 Thes is, but 2 Thessalonians or 2 Kings 17, 18. And that it's because of disobedience. No one who continue, continues in a pattern of sin or disobedience can be called a friend of God. That's what the scriptures. Like we, we can't be called a friend of God if we do that. So, so God's a holy God. And it's only through Jesus that we become holy, but he's not going to, he can cast us out if, if we walk in disobedience for such a time. Uh, the scriptures tell us, Psalm 31, 20, that his presence is a shelter for us from our enemies. Like we can run to his presence wherever we're at. If there's a coworker that you are literally about to strangle, come on, I know you probably got one. Lee, it better not be you because it's your wife. You're the only other coworker, so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you probably have one, like somebody that you just want to punch really bad. And like, it's a, it's a, his presence is a shelter and he, and he's omnipresent. Like we can run there. It's not just in the altar, which God does significant things here, but it's, it's wherever we're at. It's a shelter for us. His presence, according to Leviticus 2, is an all-consuming fire. In that case, it was a physical consuming fire that consumed um, people. The, the Psalm 114, that we should tremble in the presence of the Lord. Like we should live with this healthy fear of God. Not in a way that we're scared because perfect love cast out fear. And so perfect love and the ultimate fear of God are really the same thing. But, but the emotion of love cast out the emotion of fear because it's a greater emotion, but we should tremble in the Lord's presence in awe and reverence. And Psalm 16 says there's fullness of joy in his presence. So maybe if we're just running around distracted, filled with anxiety and stress, maybe this is what God wants to do is just help us to have a perspective on his presence, that he's there. And if I'm looking for peace, it's a matter of focus. If I'm looking for the joy that I so long for, it's in his presence. And it's there for the taking. So, so how do we do this? Like, pastor, help me out. Like, how do I begin to engage the presence of God? How do I begin to engage the spirit of God on a daily basis? First, I'd say pray through your routine. It's amazing how God, you, many times you'll hear my wife get up here, Taryn will come up here and she'll just talk about just daily stuff. Like she's amazing at it. She needs to write a devotional um, for all of us that just that she sees and, and is listening to God. She's praying through the daily routine of life. Like pray when you're in the shower. Pray when you're brushing your teeth. I mean, that is the command we get in the scriptures to pray without ceasing. And that means that we're not going to pray 24-7, but maybe there's not a 10-minute period that goes by in which we just don't, we just don't utter a two-line two prayer, two-line prayer. So just begin to pray through your routine, and you'll just see how you're engaging the presence of God on a daily basis. Ask God questions. It's another way to engage the presence of God on a daily basis. Ask God questions. For me, one of the most common questions I ask is, God, what are you doing right now? 
what's up? <laughs> what you up to? <laughs> yes, it's usually what we text people or we say when we pick, some, pick up the phone. Do you guys still pick up the phone and call anybody? Y'all do that? I do that every once in a while. And it's like, hey, man, what's up? And, and I just do that with God. It's a relationship, right? God, what are you doing right now? What are you doing in this person's life? What are you doing in my life? What are you trying to teach me right now? Just simple questions, right? It doesn't take a rocket scientist to just ask God, what are you, what are you doing right now? Third, how to engage the presence of God. Walk in obedience, right? That may sound like duh, but many of us, we miss out on the presence of God because we're just not obeying him the last thing that he told us to do. Like we can't walk in that. If I'm going to walk in disobedience, I can't. So when you ask the question, be prepared to walk in obedience for whatever he asks you to do um, in that. And then fourthly, pray for more of God's spirit in your life, fill in your life. Just say, God, I want more. God, guide me more. I want to keep in step, as Paul says in Galatians. I want to keep in step with your spirit on a daily basis. God, I want to go where you ask me to go. I want to do what you ask me to do. And most of all, I want to be who you've called me to be. I want to be who you've called me to be. So God, fill me up. I don't, I don't want to try to be the best me for Jesus. I, I don't want to be this, this I, I, I want to walk full of God's spirit. I don't want to just be the best me. I want Christ filling me. I want his spirit filling me. One passage that comes to mind is in Exodus with Moses in chapter 33. And they've been, the people of Israel have been delivered. Uh, They've been delivered um, from uh, slavery, decades and generation after generation after generation of slavery. And um, it, it gets to a place here in Exodus chapter 33. And God gives them a promise of his presence. What a beautiful phrase. God gives us a promise of his presence as they go and they move into the promised land. As you go into the last week of November, as you go into this Christmas season, God gives you a promise. He gives us a promise. Here it is in Exodus chapter 33. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. And Moses' reply is our heart this morning. If your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up from here. Like God, as, as we transition into a new season in our church with a new facility and you're going to do so much more, God, as we just prepare our hearts for what you're going to do in 2019 over the next couple of months we don't want to go up unless you go with us. I know you'll have some big goals, some things you're excited about, but let's don't leave home without the armor. Let's don't leave home without his presence. And I know across this room, a lot of us are living in the Martha world. We're living in the Martha mindset. We're just distracted by other people's journey, what they're doing or not doing. But we're distracted from an opportunity for God to teach us, to grow us, to be with us. And, and he's promised that his presence will go with us. So let's reply to that like Moses did. God, I don't want to go through my Monday again unless your presence goes through me, go, goes with me. 
God, I, I don't want to go through my Tuesday, my Wednesday, my Saturday. I don't want to go through another day unless your presence goes with me because in his presence is fullness of joy. One of the most interesting things about this text is that we don't know what happens after Jesus gives this little life lesson to Martha. Does Martha get up and be like, oh, I'm sorry, Jesus, I've missed it, you know? Or does she stomp off frustrated and get back to her work? We don't know what the next day looked like for Martha either. And so it leaves us in this place this morning, same place that the scriptures leave us in. What are we going to do? Are we going to choose his presence? Are, are, are we going to say, God, I don't want to go through another day unless your presence is going with me? I want to invite you to stand. I want to pray over you and ask you just to, as we worship and as we sing, these crosses are always open for prayer. This altar is always open as a place to pray and worship. But as we do, take these next few moments, let's just ask ourselves, what am I distracted by? What's causing me anxiety and stress? And God, and I pray that you would just have your way. God, would you have your way in this place right now? God, would, can we just open ourselves up to say, God, I want more of you. God, help me discipline my heart to see your face on a daily basis, just to always know you're there. You're there, God. I pray for the person that comes in, God, with just so many things to worry about, financial issues, relational struggles, God, that they just we can't get our minds off of. I, I pray, God, that we hear the promise that you passed on from Moses to us today, God, that your presence will be with us. I pray today, God, that in these next few moments that your presence would overwhelm us as we focus our attention on you. Would you let anxiety and stress flee in Jesus' name. And as we enter this Advent Christmas season, God, that we might be found full of joy and hope and peace, regardless of the distractions around us. Would you lead us on, God?